Welcome to the SaaS Side Lab podcast. We're doing to the social SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Fancy Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Miriam. She is the CEO and founder over at Stratic. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And I know it's late for you uh, in Israel, so there's a bit of a time difference there. So I really appreciate you know people like yourself that come on here and, and spend the time uh, with myself. So first of all, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about you know yourself and your background, really like how did you get into the space of SaaS and tech uh, as well? It seems like you were in there before, you know, building out Stratic. So just give us a little bit of a background, uh, you know, a little rundown on that. Okay, sure. So um, I'm actually originally from Toronto, Canada, and I moved to Israel about 26 years ago. Um, I, at, I studied English literature, which is a weird thing to study and then end up in SaaS, but um, it actually led me on a path that... Um, encouraged me to start looking into marketing and then start looking into how people use digital tools for marketing. And uh, I started to explore website building and I actually really loved that. And so I learned to build WordPress websites and I started offering that as a business and built that up into an agency, mm-hmm. um, which became one of the leading WordPress agencies in Israel. And um, we also worked with clients outside of Israel, but in Israel, we worked with a lot of uh, tech companies, uh, building their front-facing WordPress websites, integrations with third-party services. And in a way, I guess that was maybe my first foray into the more startup SaaS tech world uh, through my work there. Um, did that for 13 years. Uh, really loved what I was doing. Uh, always had ideas for products. Um, couldn't really pursue them at, the, at those times when they came into my head because uh, yeah. I have kids and I was having kids and um, it was uh, it was too complicated then but um, at a certain point I the idea for Stratic came into my mind based on the pain points that we and our clients and the industry were, were experienced related to security performance scalability mm-hmm. and um, I started to explore the world of static site generators really loved what I saw there thought why not bring these two worlds together and that's where the concept for Stratic was born. Mm-hmm. Very very cool and how does that Really, I mean, are you pretty much a, a very technical founder? Uh, so in both companies, I started off very technical and then transitioned into a less technical role. So in my first company, in the web agency, I started out actually building websites. And um, uh, when I made my first hire, I taught her everything. But then at a certain point as the company grew, I became more focused on marketing and sales mm-hmm. and business development and managing on that side of things, but I always stayed very, very in touch and very on top of developments in our industry. Right. And that would inform how we worked with our clients mm-hmm. and what type of uh, services we would provide and trying to always make sure that we were providing a very high level and in line with modern best practices. And then when I founded Stratic, um, so I was very involved in the initial technical side of the product to the point where I had to learn to navigate um, Amazon Web Services, Mm -hmm. uh, something that I had always stayed far away from because when you log into the AWS console, you see like 50 services and you have no idea where to start. (laughs) Um, But we we built out our product on AWS and I felt like it was important for me to have Mm -hmm. um, a good idea of what was going on there. Um, But still, I had technical uh, people working with me who built the initial prototypes but I 
directed it. Um, I had I had played a very strong role in directing it, mm-hmm. the feature set, what is needed, what we can live without, that kind of stuff. And to this day, I I do oh, play that role as well on product. Very cool. One thing that I see across the board with a lot of people, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people that I have on the podcast is many of them start at some sort of agency where they help a lot of different clients. And then it seems like something clicks, right? Where you notice a certain thing happening across the board. And that's when you decide, you know, I'm going to create the product. You mentioned earlier, though, that you kind of had those ideas, right? That they kept happening. Maybe you didn't necessarily, you know, you, you didn't have the, the right way to pursue some of them. Uh, or most of them, and what was the that one thing that was missing before that wasn't missing for Stratic that you actually went for it? So that's a really good question. Um, there are a few things. One was my personal situation. So I actually have seven children, <laughs> and so that meant that for the duration of my career at uh, my first company, Luminea, I was either before or after having a baby, and that just, I, there was no way I could do right. ma- managing the agency and, and raising a family like that. Mm-hmm. When the concept for Stratic came to me, um, my youngest was already a whopping like three years old. So she wasn't exactly in university or anything, but yeah. she wasn't a baby anymore. And I knew that I was heading into a stage of life where I could invest in kind of my next baby. Gotcha. Uh, so that was one thing. Um, but there were a few catalyst that really motivated me to pursue it as as something that's worthwhile investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, one was I was meeting with a client company of my previous uh, Illuminaia um, to, about building their website, a, a tech company. And the guy is a very smart engineer who I very much admire. And I said, everyone else left the room. It was just the two of us at that point. I said, you know, there's all these problems. I have this idea. What do you think? And he was like, yeah. That's a great idea. And on the spot, he started kind of mapping out how we would architect it. And I was like, okay, if this really smart guy thinks something of it, then maybe there's something here. And he even like started working with me on it a bit. And he's also a very busy person. So that was motivating. And then I saw that there, um, the applications were open for an accelerator here in, um, in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to apply and see how it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere... I'll continue what I'm doing. Right. It does, then I'll have to reconsider. And I got accepted. They accepted like 13 startups out of uh, 70 or 80 applicants. Wow. And I was like, okay, so if that room of smart people thought right. there's something here, <laughs> you know, it was, so those kinds of things play a very big role, I think, at least for me, like smart people who react really positively. Right. Like the, it's it's validating for the product and the idea as a whole. Yeah. And to the point where they're willing to kind of invest in you in, in your pursuit of this idea. So that was, you know, that first guy that I mentioned, and then the startup accelerator, you start to think, all right, maybe there's, you know, I, I, I really felt there was something here, but if these people also think so, I'm going to, I'm going to take the next steps. And so I joined the accelerator and I highly, highly recommend to people to join accelerators um, at, at an early stage. It helps focus you and direct you and gives you tools and knowledge that you don't have um sure. it's, it's very good that's awesome now and the the whole journey right you you had an agency you were building out client websites and stuff like that you had the idea went into the accelerator when do you realize okay it's time to go all in into stratic yeah so in the beginning i really i was still managing illuminaia the agency and mm-hmm. so i let's say 
I was like 90% Zoomania and 10% Stratic. And then as time went on, Stratic started to gain more interest, more momentum. I and I I transitioned kind of out of Luminae. I, I handed over management to someone else on my team. Okay. Um, so is that eventually is that agency yeah. still alive? Yeah. So actually, um, it worked out that I transitioned um, the management over to someone else in the agency. Started to really spend more time on Stratic, and then she joined me at Stratic. Uh, and uh, Illuminae was acquired by Canadian Web Development Agency. That's awesome. So, yeah, so that worked out really well. Um, so, thanks to my to my work at Illuminae, I was able to kind of support myself while initially working on Stratic. But then, I saw Stratic was really worth going all in on, and mm -hmm. um, that it was it was the future. It was mm -hmm. the future for the internet. At least that's how I saw it. It was the future for me. Yeah. Also, I had been doing like the agency thing for 13 years and I felt like I want to learn something new. I want to experience something new. So this was my opportunity. And um, I realized I needed a, a partner in it. Uh, Illuminae I had, I had done on my own. This mm -hmm. time around, I knew I needed a partner. And I didn't actually know how to start finding why, a partner. And then Why was that? Why did you think? Because thinking, I, I mean... I guess I'm putting myself in that perspective, right? If, if I've already done something by myself, I, even if like, maybe it's egotistical, I'm not sure. But if, if I'm already in that position, I would have thought maybe I can do it by myself again, right? Up until the fact that maybe I come across something where I'm just lost and I say, okay, now I really need someone. But it sounds like from the get-go, you kind of, you, you just knew that you were going to need somebody uh, to, to be there with you through, through this new process. So I wasn't so smart. I didn't realize how important it was to have a partner until I had a partner. But I, at the, initially, I knew I, I wanted to find a partner for a few reasons. One is when you start talking to investors, they really want to see a founding team. Mm. When they see a solo founder, it's a bit of a red flag and it makes things harder. And, and there's a reason for it. It's not because they're demanding something unreasonable. It's because mm. more heads in the game will do better. Right. So... Um, that's a very simplistic explanation of it, but it's true. And the other thing is that um, in my agency, I really had a lot of strengths. I had technical, I like, gained business, you know, savvy marketing. I was able to do pretty much everything on my own well enough. But I knew that with this, there it would demand characteristics or knowledge or skills that I didn't have. Um, so on the fundraising side, um, sales and business development, but like on a bigger scale, I, I knew I didn't have that. And I, I, I just, I knew I wanted to find someone like that. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And it, um, someone I knew ish reached out and his, uh, the startup that he had been part of was shutting down because they had burned through all their money, like many startups do. <laughs> and, um, he was looking for his next thing and he wants to be a partner in mm -hmm. something. And, you know, we knew each other well enough that yeah, we thought, all right, let's give it a shot. And it's a, his name is Josh Lawrence and um, it's a game changer for so many reasons. First right. of all, he's very strong on sales and um, I, I tend to downplay myself. I, I used to, I, I'm better at that now. And, and he made sure that we were selling ourselves strongly to, sure. to investors. Um, you go through really hard times. Like when, when you're fundraising, it means that you're getting like, like maybe a hundred no's mm -hmm. and the no's come after you have invested so much time and effort in trying to get to yes. 
that mm-hmm. it's soul sucking. So yeah. when you're in it with someone else, it helps you. Even, like, if, pick it's up even if it's some emotional support, it's, it's good to have there. Yeah, so, it's two a huge questions. Thing. Two questions that came from, from this, you know, uh, what we were just talking about. One, um, I feel like I already forgot, but two, <laughs> you mentioned, uh, I think you said his, his name was Josh, right? Yes, Josh Lawrence. If, and no offense to, to Josh or anybody here, right? But this is just a thought that came to my head immediately. If the company that he was previously at, you know, spent all their money, I don't know if it was, you know, responsibly or not, but essentially they burnt through it and the company couldn't stay alive. Was that ever a red flag to you? No, um, for many reasons. Uh, but one of which is, so in Israel, it's a very, there's a very strong startup culture here. Uh, And right. (laughs) Like I think Israel has per capita, second most uh, startups after Silicon Valley, something like that in the world. Um, And a lot of the startups are founded by failed founders, right? They gave it a go once and it failed. More than once, a hundred percent. You know, and then the second time around they get it. And um, failure is not something to be embarrassed of. I mean, unless you're negligent or corrupt or whatever, but Josh is not those things. He's very good at what he was doing. Things didn't come together. The stars didn't align. There's a thousand million reasons why a startup won't totally. succeed someone just said to us you got to this point but only five percent of startups get to this point and we're at early stage so yeah. by this point 95 percent of startups have failed so like failure is okay yeah but it also means the person has gained a lot of experience oh totally so you know um so that yeah it was not a red flag for me awesome and i just remember the second question have you always because you were looking at this from a uh, relatively early on you know point in time did you always know that you were going to be raising funds? Yes. Okay. Uh, I know that there's, you know, the, the concept of uh, bootstrapping and I hmm. completely admire and bow to people who succeed in bootstrapping mm-hmm. a SaaS product. Um, I think that's huge, but uh, I realized that you need to go all in and in order to reach the growth, you, you need to fund it. Like, and basically it comes down to the team. Right, so it was it was Josh and myself. Um, eventually, uh, some tech people joined, but that was not enough to get us to where we want to go. And our vision was big. Mm-hmm. And when your vision is big, it just it takes resources to get there. So um, it was very clear very quickly that we needed to raise funding. What that meant was not clear. I recently found an, an like an early email where we were celebrating that someone was open to investing twenty five thousand dollars in uh-huh. us. And we were like super excited. And now the numbers that we talk about are a whole other scale. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so we, we learned along the way what, you know, what we can achieve, what we should achieve in terms of fundraising. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so. That's awesome. Now to talk a little bit more about the marketing approach and, and, and growth of the company. So far, uh, again, you're still very, very early on, right? But what have, what have been the best things that you've implemented so far that have actually, you know, moved the needle, even if it's just a little bit? We have a kind of uh, unique advantage in that I, um, I'm a thought leader in the WordPress community mm-hmm. and WordPress is our target um, market, mm-hmm. at least to start, you know, our vision includes potentially supporting other platforms as we go along, but to start, it's WordPress, WordPress is huge. It will keep us yeah. busy for a very long time. Um, so 
our marketing has consisted of me speaking at conferences, being active on social media, uh, participating in online communities, getting interviewed, for example, <laughs> um, and that has consistently driven traffic to us. We crew, I've managed to create some strategic connections with people who then become fans and talk about us to their own communities. Mm -hmm. this, it hasn't been strategic or um, an aggressive or even proactive effort because we're actually not ready for that. Okay. We, but we have a constant influx and flow of users who are signing up to be, we're, we're in beta, so they're signing up to be beta users and that's keeping us plenty busy and that's good for now. Mm -hmm. Our next, one of our next hires is going to be um, a director of marketing in order to turn that into something more strategic mm -hmm. so that when we get to uh, general availability, we can then have a push, but because also I, as a, I'm not scalable, like yeah. <laughs> you can't scale marketing based on one person. But um, what I've seen and what we've been advised is that uh, an individual like myself in this type of role is important to continue um, yeah, that type of activity, the thought leader and that kind of thing. And you can see that across the board, right? And I think it's something that a lot of people are starting to, like, I feel like it's been around forever, like personal branding, right? And, and really just growing essentially your, your brand, uh, which is Miriam, right? And, and I think you can really leverage that. And the fact that you have that going for you right now is huge. And you can just, if you, if you think back to, you know, really like, there's no way to multiply myself, but really there is when you see, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk all over the place, like it's, it's him and it's multiplied and he's, you know, he's talking to a hundred thousand people, obviously more than that, uh, at any given moment about something different. And I think that's something that you can leverage later on where you're not only a thought leader at the conferences that you go to, but you're a thought leader whenever somebody wants to hear you or, or see you, you know, say anything or talk about anything specific regarding the space. And that's when you're able to connect at a much, uh, you know, bigger scale with everyone and, and, and really leverage that personal brand that you've already started you know, growing uh, to actually turn into a lead generation machine for Stratic. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, the way that Gary scales himself is that he, it's not just him doing it. He has a team around him, right? right. Who's always making sure that they're creating content of his activity. And I guess we could go in that direction. If, who knows? But yeah, you're, you're totally right. I hadn't really thought about that in that way. Now, what's been one of the most challenging things? Uh, and this is right now on a business point of view, right? I'll ask that again later on a more personal standpoint, which I have an idea of what it might be. But as far as, you know, at the office, like what's the one thing that is just, that just seems to be always there challenging you? Until recently, our biggest challenge really was uh, fundraising because we would hire people and let's say also our AWS costs would increase, although we, we did get a lot of credits from AWS, so we're, we're very grateful for that. Um, you know, office space, we had free office space for a long time through another accelerator, which, we, which I eventually joined called Mass Challenge, which is originally from um, Boston, actually. Uh, Massachusetts, that's why it's called Mass Challenge from Massachusetts. So we sat there for a long time, but they started to charge us for office space. Anyways, costs increased. Mm -hmm. And Josh and I, you know, we had a very strong responsibility to keep things going. So we literally were running around the world doing fundraising. We started focused only on Israeli VCs. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that did not go well. And um, it ties into some, the fact that I'm a woman, <laughs> um, we believe. So we eventually started uh, traveling a ton to West Coast where we, we did have success. So that, that really was the biggest challenge. And I would say now that that's done, thankfully, mm -hmm. um, for now, <laughs> um, hiring. Yeah. Ramping up our team quickly is a big challenge. Okay. And why is that? Is it just finding the right talent or is it the process of hiring people? It's like a catch 22. So until now, uh, let's say Josh and myself have been responsible also for admin and operations and all this type of stuff around it. And so we're still responsible for that. We also have to have the time now to work on the hiring process, which in and of itself is a full-time job right? because we're recruiting for a lot of positions, which means publicizing them, getting the funnel in, interviewing, second interviews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's huge. It's yeah. a huge job. And I know that once that's done, we'll be in a great place in terms of being able to get more done mm -hmm. with the team and also ourselves because we'll have offloaded a lot of what we're doing because one of the first hires we're doing is an admin ops person. Um, <laughs> But in the meantime, we're like juggling a ton. Totally. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Now let's, let's talk a little bit more about the personal side of things, right? And, and I think to start off, I want to, I want to bring something up that is, you know, kind of like the elephant in the room sometimes, but what is it like to be a, a female founder? Uh, and you kind of brought that up earlier on where, you know, going to VCs and stuff like that, it can be challenging. And I, I've talked to a couple of other women before in the same, you know, in a similar position that they've, they've try to fundraise and leave like even though it's not it it like they feel like that's one of the things that is either limiting them or maybe the reasons why they're not getting as much as they could be potentially getting um so i'd like to hear like your, your thoughts around that and really like everything that encompasses uh being a female founder when when i started out so i had i had this misconception that because of the push to encourage diversity in the world of startups and then eventually the Me Too movement, I would, be, I would have an advantage being a female founder. I, I quickly learned that that was not at all the case and it was a disadvantage. Um, someone said to me, a few people said to me at some point, well, you must have it a bit easier because you're a woman, people really want to invest in women. And I was like, no, I, it doesn't matter that I have a strong background in my industry, I'm a thought leader, um, our market is huge. Like, we, I check a ton of boxes. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter because when I walk into the room, I don't look like the founders that these investors have invested in before. Yeah. And when you're asking an investor to in, give you money, they're basically investing in the, the potential of you or the promise of you and what mm -hmm. can be, right? Because especially in an early stage, you could make all the Excel business models in the world. Yeah, but it's not factual. <laughs> it's not factual it's like a hope it's a projection i mean there's something behind it but it's it's not really concrete so um they're investing in the idea of you and they the 10 or 20 investments that they did before you or 100 were in someone who really doesn't look like you right so there's that discomfort and i think it's not conscious i think it's um totally I think it's very subconscious and, and especially when you mentioned you know that you were traveling around the world going after uh, investment and you mentioned that once you came into the West, it seemed like it was a little bit easier, but even then I still very strongly believe that there is, uh, 
you know, a lot of, uh, you know, barriers as far as entering, you know, what is the startup world and the VC world to, to get that uh, investment from those people. Yeah. Uh, you know, raising funding for everyone is incredibly challenging and the odds are against you. And regardless of where you are fundraising as a person who doesn't look like the standard founder, it will work against you. Um, but we did find that on the West Coast, it was much easier. Uh, I think a few factors come into play because I recently was reading some stats about um, investment in female founders and uh, the states are, it's not necessarily better in terms of the, the percentage of, of investment funds going to women founders. Uh, but there's just so much more money there, especially yeah. in the West Coast, that your chances of getting invested in are higher. Mm -hmm. So I did, so the Israeli investors were all, were to, for the, really the vast majority of them, with a few exceptions, but that's always the case, were, were nice and pleasant and supportive. Mm -hmm. um, but we just didn't, I didn't fit the mold. Actually, the truth is that Josh doesn't fit the mold either because neither of us are native Israelis. We both, immigrated from North America. So, um, you know, they're used to an Israeli who went to a particular unit in the army and I was a guy and all that. Uh, once we went to the States, those stigmas were gone. And um, I did feel like I was being judged as a founder, not as a woman. And we met one. And so there were a few interesting things that happened, but one story really stands out for me. We met uh, one young, male investor and we had this whole meeting with him told him our whole thing and at the end we were walking out and he said miriam i read somewhere that you have seven kids i was like oh crap because <laughs> that's like a really <laughs> weird thing to, yeah. to know about you like uh -huh. it's very unusual not only my woman i also have seven kids right i was like yeah, i know it's really unusual but yeah it's true he's like no i think that's incredible and it means you're a badass like oh my god yeah that that was like he really it can, it can be taken in 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 many different ways right and the two that i can think of right now is one you're going to be super busy at home or two you're going to be really really good at dealing with like things all the time so right. it's really like how like how are you going to look at it um and i think it all comes down to obviously like and, and this is all going to be for the most part i think subconscious right to to how the specific person that's viewing it what their experience is, uh, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. You know, there's this, I've heard the saying, like, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Because mm -hmm. busy people are just used to, like, efficiently using their time and, like, making things happen. So I, I, do, I do think that's something I learned from, from being a parent. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I would never have gotten that type of response, I think, uh, in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't publicize like only now am I starting to talk publicly about, you know, my personal parenting situation because I know that it can work against me, but um, I think it's important for people to, to know that, that that is a thing that people are moms and dads. Right. And and I think it's good moms. too, for just to, to really, you know, bring it into, into the world, right? Like, I mean, it's not that you're hiding it or anything like that, but in a sense, it's kind of, if, if it's not said, you're almost giving the wrong impression to, say another woman that is in a similar position and just because she doesn't see somebody out there doing it you know she might stop herself and say well i don't see any founder with seven kids or maybe even five so 
right. am, am I going to be that good? But now that you're kind of like putting that in front and showcasing it, right? Uh, maybe not, not necessarily showcasing, but just putting it in front and, 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 and own to it. You can have a positive impact, I think, with the fact that, you know, like women are going to go out and see, wow, like she's doing that. And they're going to say the exact same thing that that investor said. Um, right, that you're a badass, and like obviously, like she knows how to handle a lot of things at once and stuff like that. So I think it's awesome that you're doing that. Thank you, and I, that's really important to me. Like I, I want to be I, in Israel. I go to speak to groups of young female students who are studying engineering um, whenever I can, in order for them to see a person who looks like them, mm. and be like, okay, I don't know if you're going to choose to be a founder. But just so you know, this is possible. It's not just for, for men or for people you don't identify with. Here I am. You, right. can, you can do this too. And yeah, so exactly what you're saying. And also for women to say, oh, I'm a mother of three, four, two. It's all complicated and hard. And I juggle that well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, doesn't, I'm not limited. I can, I can use those skills for other things as well. That's well, how I see it. That's awesome. Now we're getting kind of close here. So last couple questions. One, uh, what is something that you're not very good at? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm not very good at a lot of things, but um, I've, I've gotten better at it, but only thanks to Josh. Um, I, what I do, what I, the way I would describe our, myself. Okay. First of all, I was terrible at talking about myself. Mm. I would always be like, I kind of know what I'm doing like terrible yeah um, I've gotten better at that and the other thing is when I would talk about our product I would be like so it can be really good but at the moment it's full of bugs you know I'd be really like I'd get into the details and be very honest where we're at and not talk about vision which is what you need to be talking about so that was really bad um Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on what I'm not good at? I'm not good at so many things. I actually, okay, so here's something. I am not good at going into a crowd. I'm weirdly introverted in certain situations, even though I can get up on a stage and talk yeah. in front of Crazy. people. I, but I'll go into like a crowd and, and men in suits, that really intimidates me. I'm <laughs> like, oh, they're executives. Oh, man. Yeah. So, well, so um, are you. I, I know, but I, I'm, I don't look like an executive. And so <laughs> it's just, uh, that can really intimidate me. And then I just, I like freeze up and I, I don't know what to say. Um, it takes me a while to thaw out. Um, if Josh was on this call, he could list, a, <laughs> he could really give you a list. <laughs> Good uh, yeah. Another question here. If you could go back to day one, what would you have told yourself after, you know, this journey so far? in many ways, I'm happy I didn't know things. Mm. So I'm not sure I would fill myself in on what it's really like. For example, um, how long it would take us to fundraise, how long it would take us to get anywhere, um, the painful things that I would end up going through yeah. as part of this process. In many ways, it's better not to know and to go into it hopeful and being like, oh, the average fundraising is between six Six months and three years we'll do it in six months yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so i i don't know if i would yeah i don't know if i would go yeah. back and tell myself something i think what i knew was uh -huh. good to make me be like i can do this mm -hmm. awesome that's super cool 
And last question, do you have any questions for me, Miriam? Yeah, so why do you interview um, SaaS founders? What is interesting about this to you? One, I love the, the I, so I started back in agency world, right? I, I used to work at two agencies and I worked with really every single industry you could think of anywhere from like HVAC to your mom and pops, like, uh, you know, dentists down the street and stuff like that. I worked with some SaaS companies and I really enjoyed them. I think, uh, you know, once I did that, I, I, and, and I built my own agency, I really liked the way that SaaS, like the SaaS world just kind of like worked. Um, I was really about the ecosystem and the very, very strong entrepreneurial, you know, spirit that everyone has that you just go like sit down, work and get, you know, get your shit done kind of thing. Um, but I just loved that and, and, and the energy that everyone has. I think it's very upbeat. Everyone wants to do something. Everyone wants to, you know, make it big and stuff like that. And I think it's awesome. And not only that, but aside from that, obviously working with SaaS companies, being able to provide the service that's going to help them get to that next level once they're ready to do so, right? Helping them scale and helping them get noticed. And I think, for example, um, and I think this goes for any industry, whether you're a doctor or a software company, right? If you have a solution and I can help you get it in front of the people, I think it's a, it's the moral, right? It's your ethical responsibility to get something you know that works and helps people to get them on their hands because it's going to make them better and make them, you know, really, so kind of like a doctor, right? If you, if you have the solution to something and you're not getting it out there, you're doing a disservice to not only your job, but also the people that you should be servicing. So that's kind of like that's, that. That's my little spiel. Yeah. No, it's, it's a really good point of view because um, people say, oh, you're a service provider. You're doing it so you can make a living, which is true. But yeah. we're, we're also doing it in order to help other people do what they're doing well, give right. them the tools that can, can make their lives better. So I, I like that. Good. So nice. that's, that wraps about uh, the podcast. But thank you so much, Miriam, for being on here. It was really a pleasure having you. I had a lot of fun. And uh, for anyone that's watching or listening, make sure you like the podcast, subscribe, uh, give us a review if, if you like the podcast or a bad review if you hate it. Uh, but thank you so much for being on here today, Miriam. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Good. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.